welcome once again to the Irish in Sweden podcast, my friends. My name is Philip O'Connor, better late than never again this week. And sure, listen, couldn't be helped. Sure, aren't we only just finished doing the interview for this week's podcast? But I'll tell you something, as I say, better late than never. A fascinating old chat coming up, more of which anon. Uh, as I say, I've been a little bit ill the last few weeks, so I'm a little bit behind myself, and the calendar isn't working as it should, and sure, you'll have all that. But at least it's here anyway. I was almost ready to call time on this winter this winter i was going to declare it over on this morning's podcast lads but of course what should i do i get up this morning and there isn't the weather all over the shop again the snow back on the ground and that don't think it's going to last but uh, there is that thing of yeah okay we're probably stuck with it for another few weeks there is loads going on in the irish community not going to be bringing able to bring you much of it because it's a long podcast this week nobody got in touch actually i was asking last week about what the optimal length for a podcast would be and apart from peter miller down in uh, malmo nobody else was in touch to say uh, whether they'd like short podcasts or longer podcasts or two-part podcasts or any of that so we just went fair enough because Miller basically said right I don't care it could be 20 minutes it could be two hours I don't care Phil just send me a podcast every week so uh, Peter Miller has decided that this one is going to be as long as it is uh, lots going on as I say I've seen a few things floating around now about the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden they've been telling us that their uh, St. Patrick's Day lunch is going to be on the Friday before St. Patrick's Day so that's been announced now I don't know if there's any news of speakers or anything else like that yet, but that was certainly announced uh, last week or towards the end of last week, I think. So I will bring you the details of all that. And there will be events happening this year for St. Patrick's Day in Stockholm and in Malmö, thanks to Peter Miller, and in Gothenburg, thanks thanks to the legend that is Ian Maloney. So there's an awful lot to look forward to. And as I say now, when I've sort of entirely recovered from illness and managed to catch up with myself again, I'll be bringing you plenty of details about what is going to be going on in the various cities around uh, Sweden for St. Patrick's Day. Right, let us get to the meat of this week's episode, right? Uh, if you're not supporting the podcast, please do. Uh, Martin Hessian and Veerstrums has been a very generous supporter of the podcast from the very beginning. If you'd like our business to sponsor it, get in touch. We're not going to be saying no to anybody's money, lads. But I think the best way to do this going forward is for everybody to go to patreon.com forward slash our man in Stockholm, right? There's uh, more and more pods every week coming out, right? There's at least, I think, about eight podcasts every month, sometimes nine, 10, 11, 12. And it costs a five a month and uh, for like 60 quid a year, basically 60 euros a year what's that 600 crowns that's about as much as you will pay in a fine if you park with your car facing the wrong direction right so if it might even be half that you might get charged even more so rather than parking your car facing the wrong direction lads pay for the podcast instead the more people who do it the more time i will have to do these things and to be out and about talking to people and bringing their stories to you here on the irish in sweden podcast one of the people that is uh, going to be their story is going to be brought to you today that is an irish filmmaker who was living here here in Stockholm by the name of Dennis Harvey, right? Um, Dennis was on the second po- Captain's Podcast. I actually think I mentioned this in the beginning of the interview as well. He was on very recently. I've been aware of Dennis for, for quite some time and his work on that, but uh, when I heard him talking to Ken Early over there in Second Captains, I said, I have to get this lad on the podcast solely because uh, so, much, so much of his work has a little bit of an element of Sweden in it. And he's been living here now for the last, on and off for the last seven years and just moved now to a new apartment in Breading and I think he's going to be staying here. And he works with a lot of film makers as well but he works with uh, a subject that is very close to my heart and maybe very close to the hearts of many of the listeners to this podcast and that's about migration and moving around the place and who gets to be where and who deserves to be where and what we all go through when we migrate and the effect that it has on us and what we bring to communities and what we take from communities and all of these other things. He has a couple of films around that theme that we talk about, uh, the latest of which is called The Building and the Burning of a Refugee Camp. And it was centred around an incident that happened near the International Protection Office in Dublin last year. I'm not going to say too much about these because we cover all these things in the course of the conversation. But I think it's a very important discussion to be had uh, because of the fact that we see, you know, racism on the rise. We see xenophobia on the rise. We see far-right parties on the rise. And we need to put a stop to that kind of thing because it doesn't lead to anywhere good, lads. You know, just going and living in our silos and you know closing our door and never sort of welcoming anybody or talking to anybody or just living in fear of one another doesn't lead to a good place at all so I was delighted to get Dennis down here to talk about these subjects because I've been writing about them for years and talking about them for even longer so uh, let's get into it shall we and uh, there's a few dates now towards the end of the conversation right we mentioned a screening of uh, one of Dennis's films in Dublin right but I actually have information I have information first hand information lads about screenings that are going on in Stockholm and I would 
bring that to you after this interview with Dennis Harvey, filmmaker from Dublin in Stockholm. And sure isn't he only gone up the stairs in the studio a few minutes ago? Recording. Dennis Harvey, an absolute pleasure to have you come down to the Irish in Sweden podcast studio. We call it that when we're not using it for another podcast. <laughs> How are you keeping? I'm doing very well, Phil. Thanks very much. Um, Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm delighted to have you. The reason, well, not the reason we're having this conversation, but I was listening to the second podcast, uh, second captain's podcast there recently, right? You should never promote anybody else's podcast, your own <laughs> podcast. I will break that fourth wall. Uh, and I heard you talking about your new film, uh, The Building and Burning of a Refugee Camp. We'll get to that in a second, right? Uh, what was weird about that was, and I know we met before playing football way, way back, right? But I didn't realise you were into filmmaking. How did you get into that? And what was it that brought you to Sweden then? Um, yeah, we have to go back about 10 years to when I got in, when I started, when I actually started making films. Um, but I studied film studies and Spanish at university in Dublin. Mm. Um, but that was like pure, that was mainly academic. There were some, there were some practical courses in that. And, uh, I really enjoyed that we did this like documentary course and uh, uh yeah I mean, it was like it I sort of you, you, I think probably what everyone does with their first film like there was there was like an an interesting character in the park beside my gaff like where I grew mm. up and I I wanted to make a film about him he was like the gatekeeper of the park and yeah. uh he he sort of wanted to pull out the night before and I had to like conv- I was like up all night trying to convince him and I just found that all really interesting and sort of a buzz and and like and then did the the possibility of like getting to know someone sort of through the camera and things was I sort of I think that's like I I I found that very interesting and and engaging, mm. and then yeah and then after university I I was living I moved to Madrid for work and uh, that basically that's when I started like I got a camera and started started making stuff and I've been I've been mm. doing it doing it doing it ever since and it was it was in Madrid where my like long road to Sweden started uh I met my my ex-partner um who was studying in Madrid and she she's she's from Stockholm and uh we lived in various places along the way but then came here to came to Stockholm to study in 2017 uh we both were doing a masters cuz the education is is free and well supported here so so we love csn as well don't we yeah we love csn i had to sort of uh, like uh get in the back door you know there's this thing where you don't um you need to be working before you've lived here for two years you need to be working at least 25 percent mm. it's not really on any official things but i think i've we've i me and my friend who was who'd also moved from dublin or is from dublin and moved here to study he found out about it through this pub he was working in yeah and uh so yeah, we all we we were all just trying to find twenty five percent a quarter time jobs to de- to be able to get the CSN from from day one instead of waiting the two years. By the time I you know our, our education would have been finished. So uh, yeah, it's it's an amazing story. Like just that sort of roundabout way that you weren't out in Temple Bar some night, and but it was in Madrid. Yeah, and uh, yourself and your partner, you've been to South America together. Uh, she had a sort of different kind of work to what you were doing. You know, yeah. Could, could I ask you about your education in film, right? Because we think of it, you know, us, you know, the great unwashed, we look at it, we go, oh yeah, well, uh, Die Hard and, uh, yeah, and the Hollywood and the arc of the character, and that's pretty much all we know about it. When you do an academic education in film, what is it you actually learn? Mm. I mean, the thing with f- film studies is like, it it basically takes in everything else. Like, it's, uh, it's like sort of doing a literature degree, except the text is film rather mm. than a novel or something. And, from with my experience in in film studies, it was like there was a lot of like psychoanalytic theory, and there was a lot of like also just like history and uh, and things like that. And then there's like there is like quite specific film theory, uh, but but it was it was it was mainly like so like a lot of it was like socio political stuff, um, which then you're what I found most interesting was often like understanding the world through sort of like different um different sort of like trends in film and things like that so like something i found really interesting was the was speaking of or die hard and those sort of films like with the rambo films um which were so big in the in the u.s in the in the 80s that was really like that was linked to the sort of the end of this sort of like new softer american Mm -hmm. american foreign policy and things like that that which was seen as sort of like 
a failure by the by the right in America. And so Rambo was this thing where it was sort of dealing with that the US had lost its its first war, that it that Vietnam was such a disaster. Mm. That then Rambo was a way of like he was he was this like military figure, but but he had to fight against the um, like the American system mm. because the American system had like sort of sold itself out or whatever. Yeah. And so, and that was that was like the start of Reaganism and and the whole neoliberal era that we're still leading, that we're still living with today and living mm. with the sort of dire consequences of. So, I find things like that these like huge geopolitical, massive changes in the world, read through the Rambo franchise. Yeah, that, that in, I find that just encapsulated in Sylvester yeah, Stallone kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I find that like that that that, and I mean, I, I think that's all completely legitimate, a, a really good legitimate reading of. Of what those films were, and and like that, where where Hollywood is is such a, it, I mean, it's changed a little bit now. Hollywood doesn't have the same sort of the same hold as it used to on the culture. I think it's a more split culture now, a cultural landscape. But but back then it was like, yeah, you could. I think you could really read like a lot of Western history through through trends trends mm. in the cinema. Like, um, when you came to Sweden, um, did you do so as a sort of okay? I'll do this for a bit of crack. I'll try it out. I, it might be okay for a few months. Did you ever see yourself making a life here as a filmmaker? It's interesting. I've 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 gone. It's gone. It's like it's been up and down. Like when I moved here first, um, that was in twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, so Mina, my partner at the time, had like a, had one of these first hand contracts, so like a direct uh, rental contract with the landlord company. So we were paying really low rent. We were completely uh, protected. Smack bang uh, in the centre of town. Yeah, yeah, Odenplan, just around the corner from from where we are, like a beautiful part of the city, um, or a very aesthetically pleasing part of the city. I think now that I'm that I'm I'm more settled here, I I, I love the hoods better. Like I, yeah. I think they're more there's there's more life in out out where I live the now. Grit under the finger, finger yeah, 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 and all the immigrants like like ourselves, I suppose, are yeah. are in these places usually. But um, but I so when I moved here first, it was just like. This is, I'd never known, a, I mean, when I lived at home, I knew security like that, but I couldn't imagine having any security like that in Dublin, being a being a filmmaker. Mm. So it, I felt so secure and at home, and I was just sort of in awe of the city, and all of Mina's friends were like, none of them had thought about emigrating because they, they just knew they Fort could have a life here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think there's problems with that as well, but I just found all that, I was sort of like, whoa, this is, I can absolutely want to build a home here. Yeah. And so the first year I was really at home and I really loved it and stuff. And and um, but then I don't know. After a few years, I I, I sort of our, our relationship ended very cordially and very in a very supportive way. But it was just that I sort of felt I didn't feel so at home here, and it just felt you know the silence and the winters, <clears throat> the silence and the winters and the sort of you realize it's a very different culture. But but then I was think I was sort of thinking about leaving and I was away for a time and things like that and. I think I'd underestimated how much of a life I'd built up here and how much I appreciated the friends I'd made and the community of filmmakers that I was a part of and things like that. Mm. And it sort of coincided, like realizing that I did want to stay coincided with my film work, sort of getting more established here and, and getting more like establishing relationships with the with the Film Institute and SVT mm. and, and the Arts Council here and things like that. So so it like yeah it, it, it's definitely i mean i think when you're when you've left home and you're sort of in the process of building a new one it's always you're always in this sort of flux and you know mm. flitting between like especially because I, I i don't have kids and i know I, like i wasn't in a relationship then and things like that that i was like okay i could go home i could go back to ireland mm. or, or I, could could go go anywhere, anywhere, yeah. I could go anywhere yeah but I, I was really i was very much just like i'll either go to ireland or i'll stay here because I'd, mm. I'd lived yeah lived in spain i lived in chile for a while and mm. i think i was sort of like ready to not just start from scratch because it's a big thing to start from scratch i'm sure a lot of your mm. listeners will know like it's it's a lot like yeah and i didn't really feel like i had the energy or the, just the desire to to start to from do scratch it all again. again yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the themes that that runs through your work and we mentioned your latest film and as i said we'll get onto that in a second around the same time that you're talking about here you started to make a film called i must away and i watched it on friday night and i know you i know your work i know what you're famous for and in inverted commas and that kind of thing i was absolutely gobsmacked by that film because it was so personal 
and yet it was so global. The stories that you told were of people from Bangladesh, of people from Chile, of uh, an Afghan man, uh, Ali, who you knew here in Sweden and who had to leave. I mean, it's kind of like once upon a time. It was just like a massive story that yet you managed to get it done in like 73 minutes, you know. <laughs> uh, is that something that you're proud of? Is that something that was difficult? Is that something that you wish you hadn't done? Because your relationship with Mina is in there as well. Um, you know, obviously the film was finished after that relationship finished, which I found amazing. There's a, a scene of her dancing in it, which I thought was one of the most powerful things in it. And I still don't know why, you know. So explain all those things to me, if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, I'm, gl- I'm glad I'm glad you connected with it and uh yeah no i'm like i'm immensely proud of the film and proud of us all for like for for what we've done you know yeah like you mentioned hashem is from bangladesh and he had to he had to flee there after changing government threats on his life and we met in madrid alicia is originally from peru but had to flee or had to sort of leave peru and make a better try to make a life for herself in chile and then subsequently moved to spain because she couldn't really make a life for herself and her kids in in chile and then Adriessa fled Afghanistan was 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 taken from Afghanistan by his parents uh, when he was two weeks old, and then grew up in Iran, where Afghans don't really have any rights. And when he was fourteen, he walked to Sweden. Uh, walked by himself. To yeah, Sweden. yeah. Well, he was like got us in a smuggler boat, obviously over the Mediterranean. But the rest, he walked. Like got got his head kicked in by by border guards along the way and things like that, and made a life for himself in Sweden. Got a deportation order in Sweden has now made life for himself in France. Like, and then it's also, yeah, also me and Mina's relationship is in it. It's a really, really beautiful part of my life. We're still great friends. My my grandmother and her neighbors' stories are tied in. My grandmother passes away, but and then the film is, is sort of addressed. You know, the, the voiceover is, is like a series of letters uh, to her for me. So it's so personal and it's so huge sort of for all of us. It's such a, it's seven years in all of our lives. And I find like, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, yeah I'm really glad to have, have documented that and like it's been it's nice I've been showing it quite a lot in different festivals and things like that and I was just in Estonia in Tallinn a couple of weeks ago showing it and the person doing the Q&A was saying that what he really liked about it was that it's about migration and it's you know which is a huge political issue but that you're you're not really thinking about migration as like this divisive issue you're you're sort of thinking just about these people's lives and all of our lives and how they're interwoven and that's what i think is sometimes lost maybe when 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 migration in inverted commons commas is is talked about you know like like it is at the moment in ireland as like where the far right are sort of dictating the narrative about ireland being full which is which is complete nonsense how is the irish forced and all this yeah yeah and all that stuff so like and but migration is it's like it's always the whole like history of humanity is is about moving and discovering and and finding a place to 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 build a life and have a home and and especially in ireland like it's so such a huge part of our identity and our history and and we should be proud of that like i think it's amazing and and so yeah like the like migration is just yeah it's an ongoing constant it's not something new it's not something dangerous like it, it it's just it's just our sort of existence as it's our human existence and i think that's what i was trying to do in the film because i'm i've i get to see i watch a lot of films about migration and i work a lot with with mm. with migrants uh, in in different ways and i think i i felt i wanted to try to sort of communicate the feeling like what happens to your soul when you move and mm. things like that so yeah i'm so i'm glad i'm i'm really i'm glad you you enjoyed it and uh, yeah. I, glad think, it's I think it's hard not to enjoy a film like that um, you mentioned there that the voice over the film, so not, no spoilers here, right? In the beginning, we hear your voice and you're talking to somebody and straight away, somebody who works in media is going, okay, I need to find out who that is. And it turns out that you're, you're talking to your grandmother, who I believe is a Galway woman who never moved more than six miles from where she was born. Yeah, yeah, she spent almost all of her life. She did She did spend a few years in, in England working as a nurse, uh, mm. but basically, yeah, never, never left. And, and then, yeah, for the sake of the... The feeling yeah. in the film, yeah. Unfortunately, she passed on while the film was being made. What do you think she would have thought of it if she had gotten to see it? It's so funny. I was talking to my mother about this uh, before the we showed it first in Ireland last year at the Dublin Film Festival. And just the day before the screening, she was saying that Granny would have never 
She wanted me to, yeah, yeah. She would be like, she would not have let you. Jesus, let you don't do that to me. Yeah, like so. It's it's funny because I think she she was just a really pious woman who just worked and prayed for the safety of the of her of her loved ones, really. And uh, like, the, so she wouldn't have wanted to be the subject of a film or the or anything like that. She just wouldn't have wanted that attention. But but she would have loved. Like she taught me. She taught me a lot, like about how I, and so, so so did my parents. But but like, there's something with that. It was sort of another life she had, and it was completely from another era. And like, yeah. um, and we did the thing was we did we used to write letters. Like that was the that was I used that she was the that's the last person I wrote letters to from every every place I went to. Mm. It was always a, a nice way of sort of landing in. I remember like in my first weekend in Madrid, actually. I don't really follow GAA, but I remember listening to, to Dublin winning the All-Ireland, if they did, in 2014. I remember listening to Dublin anywhere we're playing and, like, sitting in the square in Madrid. It was, like, boiling hot. And I was writing a letter to, to my granny. Like, and that was sort of my way of just, of sort of landing in the place and, and yeah. like, you know, reflecting on a few things that, that had happened. Like, And then the, the letters in the film, they're they're sort of based on all those things, but they do, they of course, they're sort of semi-fictionalized in a way in that that they need to convey some sort of information and, and reflect on the certain the questions in the film mm. the more i hear you talk about it and uh you talk about the politics of movement and ali Reza is also in paris now the man who walked yeah. from afghanistan and he's making films and, and talking and writing about the same subject and yet it seems uh your grandmother tells a great story about i don't know if it's your mother or if it's this another, is it your mother she's talking uh, yeah about? she's uh, she's talking my mother is in is in the room and then she's talking about um my mother's cousin uh, yeah yeah so, so i think it was the mother's cousin who arrived down and she was saying now look at i'll make her dinner and she's going oh well it's going to be late enough it's look and I'm going to make it anyway and there was so much love in that moment and the way that you know a, a simple Galway woman like your grandmother I mean that in the best possible yeah. way there's like a, look at if she's going on the road I'm going to feed her kind of thing and that was one of again a very powerful thing for me because when people are moving what we think of we think of their safety we think of sustenance and that kind of thing why do we find it so hard to do that for others? And by we, I mean Fortress Europe now, where we fucking won't let anybody mm-hmm. in. And, you know, what we have, we hold. Why do you think, when you talk to people like the men in the camp on Sandwich Street, like Ali Reza, like people in South America, well, what is it that's so difficult about that, Dennis? Yeah, it's, it's, it is. It's a very good question, and it's a very big question. Like, um, But I, 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 think, I think it comes down to that like we're living in a in a moment or an era of like a real lack of political commitment and com- political vision like i think th- i think this the the sort of center left parties of europe like the social democratic parties and and especially in sweden the christian democratic party have like they've really sold out their their values when it comes to migration they, mm. they've they've been scared by right, the right the far right and the right and i think they've sort of they just they just haven't sort of looked inwards and said like well okay what do we actually stand for like um and mm. i mean I, I'm, I don't know like i don't know enough about about say like the history of the social democrats that if i don't know if they are fully properly committed to the anti-racist party but but i do think i think i think with better with better political leadership and and like better vision um and determination the, the line could have been held so much better in 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 europe in european politics mm. um and it's i think that's why it's it's a very interesting time in in ireland right now because we'll see you know we'll have an election within a year like um and there's 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 people who are very determined to make migration a sort of divisive issue um and if we do have like vision and 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 sort of uh, a commitment to to compassion and humanity I think they'll be humiliated again like they were. These far-right parties will be humiliated again like they were in, in 2020. But but if not, it, you know, if, if the... if if I think it's sort of in Sinn Féin's hands because, because mm. like, maybe Fianna Fáil a little bit or something. But, like, but if, if, if Sinn Féin don't take a good stance on it, I think, like, or if they sort of cave, uh, mm. like they haven't done until now, and I, I completely applaud them for. Mm. Uh, but they've been very quiet recently, which is which is a bit worrying. Like, I think I think it could go, go badly. Because, because yeah. I think ultimate, like I do, all think ultimately, and that's sort of what I do try to do with my work is that when you actually just get to know people, when you like, and this is sort of banal in a way, but like when you just talk to someone from who's finds himself, you know, an Afghan in Sweden or mm. in a Nigerian, like in in Ireland, like you'll realize that, like it's 
you're both people and you want to have a buzz and you're you want to and they probably want to just get a job and send money home like mm. definitely your uncle or your auntie did if you're irish you know like like i'd say there's i couldn't imagine there's many families in ireland who didn't get money sent home from america australia mm. england wherever um, or, or even just be relieved of the burden of the extra mouth on the farm yeah you yeah, know? yeah yeah it's just wild to think you know that you're all of a sudden i i always uh, sort of react to this thing especially when an irish person says oh they're economic migrants you fucking think <laughs> yeah, you yeah, think like, we invented yeah. that exactly you know? yeah it's yeah just, it's such a nonsense that whole yeah thing, you know and that's the thing like the since 1960 migration has roughly like a, about three percent of the world has been migrants um the vast majority of people stay stay where they're from um so what's changed like in 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 recent years uh, people from more places have gone to fewer have gone to fewer countries so that's changed a bit but but the broadly like broadly the amount of people who are migrating hasn't it's not like there's some we're living in this time where there's a huge increase like it's it's always broadly the same yeah. yeah so it's just about it's just about sort of yeah like um not caving to these to these sort of nonsense mm. ideas that aren't really offering us anything like the, the, a lot of these you know like so much of rural ireland is dying so much of rural sweden is dying yeah there's there's we need people in we need mainly because mainly the people who make it to europe and things like that are, are young and driven and mm. maybe have a family at home that they want to bring or mm. maybe want to build a life with a new family in the place and and they're like from my experience of of ten about ten years working with with migrants, uh, people want to like people want to work and they're 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 willing to work. They're not coming very hard. No, no, no one is like, and the, and the, and they're willing to work in jobs. Often that's like sometimes we maybe don't want to tell ourselves this, but like I like say Alicia in in the film and I must away. Mm. Like it's all for her kids. Like and you know her kids are fifteen and seventeen now, and and they're. Like she, she's completely sacrificed her life so they can get an education, go to college, and then work well, the job they want. Her two kids seem to be very bright, very intelligent, yeah, very good at school, and yeah. that kind of thing. And she just went, okay, I'm going to Spain. I think she worked as a live-in sort of a nanny, a yeah, maid kind of thing. She's still doing that in in Spain now. Li- as well. Live-in still away yeah. from her own family. Yeah, for 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 Monday to Monday to Friday. Okay. Um, that's a hell of a sacrifice, all the same. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. But thankfully, her kids and her, and her husband are in are in Barcelona now with her, which mm. is great. Um, so they're closer. I think the husband had a Barcelona jersey on in one of the shots. In, in, he's in probably delighted. Santiago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had sent it back. Uh, she would brought it back with her. Fantastic. So, yeah. would you or would she see herself as being successful despite the sacrifice that she made? Does she think it was worth it? Would she do it all over again? Do you think? Yeah, it was amazing. We like the Alicia, Luis, Mirta, her sister, who's also in the film, and Angeli and Andrew, the the kids. They were all here in Stockholm for a screening we had in in Bio Aspen in Aspen in uh, in November. Yeah, it was so amazing. Like to have them all because because Luis and Andrew, the kid, had just gotten they were undocumented for a while in Spain and they'd just gotten the documents and uh, so they all got to they all got to come here for the for the screening and. It was so nice to spend the weekend with the whole family and to talk about all this sort of stuff and and yeah like it, she it's been so hard it's been so hard for Alicia it's been so hard for Luis hmm. but they're completely like they, and they don't sugarcoat it it's not like they're like oh every you know just because it's worked out everything is fine like they do talk about the pain and the struggle yeah. and I and wish Alicia, it didn't have to be like this kind of yeah, thing, yeah yeah but but it's all, like it's but they're completely content that it, it was the right thing to do and and it, it it's gonna you know it's the best thing for the kids and stuff like that and mm. and they just add so much like everyone who had the pleasure of meeting them that weekend was just like completely in awe because they just like they just add so much joy i mean of course you can't not, i'm not, not saying everyone who is a migrant is great or whatever mm. there's, there's definitely pricks <laughs> who've, who've migrated and things like that like some of them in the irish community yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and that was <laughs> one of them myself but like uh but just like yeah i think something something does happen when when you move and 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 you, you like you're, you're 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 putting in you're putting in a shift to try to make a life and mm. i think that really you can it's it's i feel privileged to be to get to be around people who who are who are doing that and mm. the end that energy and stuff like that and determination mm. 
I suppose you could say that uh, their story has had somewhat of a happy ending after some, uh, because, jeez, I can't even speak English anymore. Mm. <laughs> uh, the two kids are, are doing so well now in Barcelona, they're legal and that kind of thing. One film that didn't have a happy ending was the building and burning of a refugee camp. Mm. Um, the refugee camp, basically, to go through it very quickly, is around the corner from the International Protection Office in Dublin. Uh, a number of migrants were told that they'd have to keep queuing up to get what scarce housing was available because the Irish government no longer guarantees refugees and international protection seekers a roof over their head, which is one of the most fucking shameful things in the history of the state. We let that uh, pass mm. for now. Breaks international law. So. Of, of course, but sure, you know, it's only brown people, as mm. no doubt they would motivate it. Um, what happened with that, basically in the end of that film, the migrant camp is evacuated, the Gardaí let the far right in, and they burn out the meagre belongings of these people from uh, from Nigeria, from Afghanistan, from Syria, places like this. How did you come to make that film? Because I know you're involved in some of those housing action groups that would have been, or you were when you were in Dublin mm. and you're still in contact with them now. Whose idea was it to make that film? Um, well, yeah, I like I just had the I had the idea when I when I'm because I, I met Sammy, one of the people who was he was sort of leading the protests. Mm. Um, I was on, just on behalf of the migrants. Uh, yeah, 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 and he was one. Of, he was he was one of them as well. Like he, mm. so he <clears throat> he used to live in Sweden actually, um, but he was he's Kurdish uh, from from Turkish Kurdistan and mm. was in a communist party there, and then was imprisoned for for a long time. But then, <clears throat> excuse me, but then uh, managed to when, when he got out of prison, he was on hunger strike for 120 days in in prison and mm. survived that. Managed to get out and then fled to Sweden. Got protection here, but then when Sweden applied to join NATO, they op- the government opened up to extraditing people to Turkey. So it's that's that's why he that's his story. That's why he's in Ireland. Uh, it's just crazy. People just become these geopolitical pawns in such awful, awful circumstances. Um, there was a big like there's there's an article in 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 Dagens and Hjerte from 2009 uh, saying the importance of protect. He's using he's he's using a different name now, but mm-hmm. pr- protecting people like him because Turkey were trying to extradite him back then. Um, and they, they like they, you know people like him used to be protected in Sweden, but that that era is 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 ended for the time being. It, it only ended about a year ago. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there would have been no question whatsoever of extradited, and some no. have been extradited since yeah. the NATO application went in. Yeah, so that's the thing, and that's why he saw it coming. So he was just like, "I'm I'm getting out of here." Like, um, had he had he hadn't become a Swedish citizen at that point? Uh, no, no, not that, not not as far as I know. Um, what I, do, I sorry. I actually do, I don't know, but yeah. I don't think so. But um, well, I can't imagine him being outside the office over there if he had a Swedish passport. N- no, no, exa- airport, uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but so but so I met. So I I was just going for a walk. I was back in Dublin a good bit. Like I'm I'm over and back mm. between Dublin and Stockholm, and I was there for a good few months last year. In <clears throat> it was in April, the end of April, and I saw Sammy protesting outside, like calling out what he saw as an as a as a racist asylum policy, yeah. and um, it was when all the tents. The tents were outside the IPO. <clears throat> they were directly on the street outside. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I started talking to Sammy. I was just interested because I'm making this other this feature film about European border policy. Mm. Um, so I was interested in sort of talking to him and just uh, just filming a bit and things like that. And so I, I interviewed Sammy and was filming with him there for like a few days. And then I got told about it was on the bank holiday weekend that this that this um, camp had been set up around the corner to sort of offer a bit more protection. Mm. And also offer a bit more like positivity, privacy. privacy. Yeah, yeah, it was like an art studio. There was people were given language classes, Oscarelga, Os- Os- Osberla yeah. as well, and things like that. And it was just a, it was just a, it was a safer place and a nicer place for you know for people who are who, yeah who, living like out on the streets in the in the center of town. Like it was it was really really bad situation but the, but that the camp on sandwich street was was a little bit better like a, a little more bearable they had set up some cook and stuff and things mm. so when i was down there i was just sort of on the first night i was like i just went down to sort of help out and give some food and, and hang out in a bit and then then I, I met simon who was really he was a really nice guy really charismatic and that's the nigerian chap nigerian chap yeah. yeah 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 and so i asked if he'd be interested in like if he'd be okay with me filming or if he'd be interested in me filming and, and he was he was great like you, you see him in the film he's so charismatic Fantastic. and yeah he's yeah. such a buzzer like that's the thing he's so I mean he said he was like he's been a street boy since he was 12 I think or something when his parents passed away in Nigeria so he's yeah. sort of been living this like he knows this he knows this life and he knows this world and, and um, so he was but he was really up for up for filming and stuff like that and then it just like was so clear, like the far right were coming down, trying to agitate and and sort of provoke things every 
every night or most nights um then then there was a few there was just a few like unfortunate run-ins with like a there was like an owl lad who who's from the area from around pier street and who was pissed and just like would come down and attack the place and mm. it's not in the film but like a, an irish homeless guy who was who was living in the uh, the abandoned flats beside it like came and was was like protecting the guys from in the camp um because this old lad was sort of i don't think he's like a committed racist or anything like that but he was just sort of pissed and pissing on the place and yeah. ha- having Looking a go but then yeah that, but yeah. then he calmed down with the, when this irish homeless guy helped out but he, and they were all like that was the thing like the the actual people on the streets who are in tough situations they're not interested they're like as in all my experience like they're not interested in things stupid things like racism it doesn't it doesn't add anything you know yeah. like if you're on the street you're homeless you're sharing you food you're, yeah, yeah you're helping yeah. each other out you're 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 painting together like what they were doing there and stuff yeah. like that so but so so the, the the film just came from from being there and i mean i'm i'm yeah i i work like i work with these with migration and and in in various ways for for a long time and and different activist groups so it was just sort of it felt very natural for it to to start documenting what was going on um and it became clear quite quickly that like it was it was going to be pretty bad so it felt like important to 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 document the sort of you know the 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 human side of what it's like in that camp because because the far right are, are like they're they're live live streaming this their harassment mm. of homeless people all the time so their side of it is always there but obviously we don't have anyone from inside yeah, yeah. from inside so so it felt important to to mm. get that side as well um you're pretty open in your criticism of the irish police uh you basically say counter protesters it was a counter protest on the same day as it was born they were escorted away uh, you can hear all sorts of violent threats being made. Your camera was going to be smashed. Somebody's going to open your head. This kind of thing. And I don't know if that was directed directly at you or somebody who was with you. Me and everyone around me. Yeah. Yeah. So you're being expo- uh, exported. You're being escorted away, and these things are being said. Presumably, the person who said those things wasn't arrested. Anything else like that? And then you basically said that in the film you said that the guardy allowed them to enter the camp, which presumably was empty at that stage. Anybody with any sense was gone. Like, I know Simon, does it, like, in that, um, a little bit previous, that you see him packing up his belongings because, like you say, he's been on the streets in Nigeria since he was 12. He knows what's going to happen here. Yeah, he was He was also determined to stay. He was, like, at the start, he was like, no, I'm staying. Like, I've no... He, and we, he was true. He was like, I've nowhere else to go mm. um, unless we're housed by the IPO. But but then after it, like, yeah, when people started gathering, you could feel, it was just like, you could feel in the air that yeah, something really bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So thankfully he did. And it, thanks to the, the Revolutionary Housing League, this this left-wing activist organization who, like, they knew the seriousness, they knew nothing was going to happen. The IPI weren't going to house, or the Department of uh, Integration weren't going to house the people in the camp. Mm. So the, the Revolutionary Housing League gained access to an, an abandoned building like it, it there's a there's a perfect place it's sub, they've subsequently been evicted but in the north side of town there's a, a building which is in perfect condition um it it was it's owned by some investment group it's just been left there to mm. to rot uh, but they gained access to that place and occupied it and and housed the homeless asylum seekers they housed like 20 people mm there for for a good few weeks until they were evicted but um so thankfully like simon went there because he knew he could have a, a roof over his head that night yeah um but so the thing the thing with the guards like yeah there was about a hundred of us the counter protest was called by these left-wing activist groups mm. and like housing action groups and things like that um and there was about a hundred of us just defending the camp or just you know standing in front even though it was empty it was it was it was sort of this symbolic, S- symbolic thing of, value, yeah right? that like look like we, yeah, we're all calling for housing for all. If you're Irish or if you've if you've applied for asylum here, and there was like a yeah, there, it was about maybe two hundred or so far right people. Like it was sort of like far committed far right people who who anyone who follows this would would know and recognize. Mm. Then also just like young fellas who I think who were looking for a scrap or whatever and who knew they'd get that one. Young flip. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And those like those some of those lads are angry about stuff. I think probably rightly angry, but it was just unfortunate they were directing it towards the most vulnerable in society. And then there was also sort of people watching, you know, mm. hanging around and watching and stuff. But but like all the far right people come in, they came into the area. They're not from the area. They don't mm. care. The residents in the area, for the vast, vast majority of them, 
had no problem with the camp and were like i feel bad for those guys and mm. like i'd talked to loads of people from the area who were like i've never seen these people who are leading this no idea who no, yeah i've yeah. never seen them in the area before yeah. so um so yeah so the, so the, it was like a standoff basically and the guards then sp- sort of spoke to some of the, the like the leaders or whatever of the, the counter protests and were like we're, we'll 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 escort you out of here which we were we were happy with because there was no one in the camp it was clear there was like there was there was violence in the air so mm. we were like yeah we'll get out of here that's okay like but the felt like there wasn't there wasn't that many guards and then they had this sort of they sort of fo- tried to form this like sort of yeah ring around us between between mm. but then we immediately got surrounded by the far right who were like yeah you're not you chose to defend them sleep with them like you know yeah. you're not getting out of here tonight one of them i didn't put in the film because it just felt too grim but one of them was like saying he was there to protect women and stuff and then one of the left-wing counter protesters was like i know that guy last week he threatened to rape my wife like and like he was like pointing at him yeah it's like they said the saying they're protecting women and they're like they're they're threatening to rape that's, people the whole time so it's just so there's no logic to have to no it's so with. grim like and yeah. but so yeah but then as we tried to leave then the, the like it, the guard sort of uh, line broke immediately then they were just sort of looking around confused a bit and that that people were coming up spitting on us and like mm. a few people did get assaulted and stuff like that and then yeah like the the reason i say in the film is that the guards let the the protesters in uh is because i have footage filmed by the far right where the guards are standing there looking at them at the yeah. people go in walk away lads yeah yeah so so i mean and then and then online the far right have been have been like um have been like boasting that they that they made a deal with the guards that they mm. said they let they let them leave they let us leave the the counter protesters uh so that they could go in so, well yeah, yeah if 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 the guard if the guards were allowed to take us out of there without them like kicking our heads in mm. then the, the far right would be allowed in and destroy the camp mm. the guards haven't commented on that like that's so that's like a thing online that the far right have been saying uh, paul mm. murphy mentioned it in the doll michael martin dismissed it um so yeah you know i wouldn't make a habit of listening to, to like far right boasting on telegram and stuff like that but in this case it does seem like i don't know why they lie about it mm. and i've seen i have footage showing what they're saying so yeah. uh so yeah it was pretty it was it was it was really bad like it was a horrible experience and it was all of the the lads Simon packed up some stuff, but a lot of his stuff was still there, and it was all mm. burnt down and stuff. And mm. and uh, but now, subsequently, only a couple of weeks, last week, two weeks ago, five people were arrested from yeah. like, CCD footage from that. So, and I don't know, but I don't know who they are, and I don't, yeah. I don't know what the what's going to happen there. It's taken an awful long time. It's nearly a year since that happened. Yeah, know, yeah, so. yeah. Um, and then since then, you know, thirteen places have been burnt down in the last year that mm. have either been homeless accommodation or. Uh, potential asylum seeker yeah yeah i think there was most recently we've seen it in ruski and, and we've seen it you know there's so many places uh, there was one place there recently only a week ago i think that went up as well um where does this stop because uh, like uh, i watched the films in the wrong order right i should have watched that one first and then mm. taken the hope from my must away and really enjoy- instead i ruined my weekend by watching that <laughs> second you know and to be honest you mentioned there earlier on about european social democracy and the crisis of that and what do they stand for and are they really anti-racist and my answer to that is no mm. not anymore yeah, you probably know more about that too. well unfortunately after looking at it for you know 20 years or more and writing about it i wouldn't be very hopeful I, are you hopeful when you see the solidarity of the people around pierce with pierce street and sandwich street and they say they're they're not from around here. The people coming in and doing that's not us. We didn't orchestrate this. We didn't organize that. We don't support. It. Does that give you hope? Or my big sort of fear is that the oxygen of publicity will fan the flames of these guys. The more and more people, as I say, I was that young flu who would any any spark whatsoever. If there was a stone to be thrown, I would be there, right? And I know you don't like you wouldn't be in any way committed to it or anything else like that. But if there's a row to be had, you're fucking we'll work away, you know? And that's what I fear. Do you share that fear? Or do you think, and I hate this idea of Irish exceptionalism, that our own history of emigration and immigration all over the world might actually be some sort of a vaccine against this in the long run? I mean, I'm, I, I'm, yeah, I am hopeful, uh, and I think I'm like ultimately like inherently optimistic. Not that that means I think everything is going to be fine, but I think like if you're even the fact that we're just talking about this, I think you're probably ultimately an optimistic person as well. Because if you bother to do anything around this sort of stuff, I think that's that 
is optimism. Like otherwise, we just we just give up and mm. talk about other things. And I wouldn't bother making these films because because yeah. you just go along with the with the, the the sort of slow drift towards I think probably fascism. So mm. so I am hopeful because I don't think people I don't think the majority of people are fundamentally racist or fundamentally want to harm other people like i i do think and uh, that that could be in ireland or it could be elsewhere like i i think the majority of people are ultimately don't don't aren't filled with hate uh and but but like that being said i think i think it you know things are bad now like things yeah the the people are burning down accommodation for the most vulnerable in society every week basically like Mm. so that is completely shocking and 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 that people are and just from what i'm hearing you know talking to my mom and things like that about the 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 level of sort of comments that are becoming more and more normalized in 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 communities across ireland are it's it's grim and like people are forgetting our current history our current situation and our incredibly recent history of of that like that we're migrants we're no different to these people we this Mm. is us uh so so that like i'm really worried about that and and i think it it takes it we need to continue to organize and continue to discuss things with people and 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 listen to to migrants to to see what what they need and what they want and things like that so um but yeah it's a it's a it's a dark time like i mean it's a incredibly dark time in the world and you do i mean i've definitely had feelings of despair over the last few months like um because you see what sort of processes of dehumanization can Mm. can lead to and and we've like we're we're in that era in when it comes to migration in europe you know like frontex is now the most the most well-funded european agency says it all doesn't it yeah yeah and and so and that is that is responding to like a move within you know political move within europe to towards the right and towards a sort of xenophobic xenophobic push um but then also, but I think I think also just the, the practicalities and the pragmatics of the situation mm. is gonna it, it will probably save us in a way. Like you know, the thing here where like the the Swedish Democrat uh, sort of led far right government are like like I'm getting I've friends now every week I'm hearing of another person who's getting deported who've been here for years and things yeah. like that who are, have jobs and things. So mm. like when they soon achieve their goal of like negative immigration there's going to be massive labor shortages like the, mm. we're not going to have people to operate on us we're not going to have people to take care of our elderly people or to, there won't be a restaurant left in the country no though. yeah yeah imagine imagine just eating like Hoosman's cost and or just like you know meat and spuds every day like it'd be miserable to live in ireland or sweden and like being most of Europe. Granny and Galway. yeah well that would be that would be great <laughs> we'll do for a few uh, days yeah Jesus, yeah yeah, yeah exactly like but so so I, I and i think that like that's not sustainable like these this these ideas are these like sort of exclusionary policies aren't sustainable they're not going to work for people um so 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 in those ways like i'm hopeful that that things will change but then you just it's worrying to think of like you know that like there's always there's always underprivileged people and there's always people who need who 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 need like to come to to richer countries and I'd, i'd hate if we got to a position where it's like there's sort of very particular migrants are accepted you know mm. you can you can like sort of extract a big body of labor to oh, come oh, i think it's called the australian model yeah, these days. It's yeah. Like, you, know, you have to tick in all the points oh well, i have a university degree oh yes that's all right oh i'm gonna come as a cleaner sorry not you, you yeah know? yeah and it kind of reminds you of that sort of family guy thing where you have peter griffin with a hat on and it's like okay the shades of skin where things are all right and not all right is ultimately what it comes down to you know? yeah there's another film that you're working on at the moment and i don't know the entirety of the details i don't want to reveal too much in case you decide to change your mind utterly but you've been looking at the subject of identity and especially for young Irish people and how they relate to their own culture and that kind of thing can I turn the lens back on you and ask you how you see your own Irishness because all of these things ultimately are things that they're stories we construct to make our lives more livable you know mm. and that's that's who our identity is that's who we belong to that's the tribe that this podcast is part of, of that kind of way how do you see yourself in that because you don't necessarily seek out other irish people where you go you just you meet who you meet and you tell the stories you find do you see yourself is that something that's important to you at all i mean i think it has to be because yeah this the, the new film celtic utopia uh 
is is yeah grappling with Irish identity and through the lens of sort of how young people relate to Irish folk culture, mainly how music. Do, how, yeah, how do they do that these days? Is it Lancome? Is it the, the Mary Wallopers? Is it, do they go back to Planksty and, you know, Sean O'Fallon? Where, where, where do well, they experience yeah, it? Those, the Lancome and the Mary Wallopers are two of the, two of the bands in it. Um, and there's other other artists like Ashling Orr, Nye and Ruth Clinton and Neve Moriarty and stuff. These pe- people who are like, I mean, there's, there's amazing, there's an amazing thing going on i think in in like in folk music yeah. at the moment in ireland which has like like in the 70s yeah people, bands like Planksy were, were doing similar similar things um and i mean the people we're looking at and the sort of way that what we're focusing on is this like understanding irish history as a post-colonial history or in mm. the north like a semi-post you know, yeah colonial history that and like dealing with the, the trauma of that but like um and I think that that seems to be a like for me anyway. It's a really useful and helpful way of understanding why I. I mean, I liked actually. I actually liked Irish studying the Irish language in school, but most people hated it. My brother hated it. Most of my colleagues, my classmates hated it. I wasn't that into like I wasn't really into trad. You know, I was way more into hip hop and stuff when I was young. And then now I'm sort of like, or it was when I left Ireland first. I was like, found myself listening more to Damien Dempsey and then more to the Dubliners and things like that so and he, Damo was the, the gay he's such a legend you know? Damo and he's such a Damo's such a hero like I got to his, his Christmas gigs in Dublin whenever you know as Do much you know, as I can it's, it's very odd Dennis because D- Damien is somebody he'd he done uh, that rolling down to Dublin town track mm. one of his four singles right? yeah. and, and that's literally all he is to me because mm. I've been outside of Ireland for so long that I haven't been immersed in it now Aslan yeah. that's me all over put yeah. on anything by Aslan and I'm right back there yeah, where yeah. Damo's Christmas gigs are so in one way I don't experience my sort of Irishness through Damien Dempsey mm. but you mentioned the Christmas gigs as well for Damien that, that, that's immensely powerful for those of you who that's your thing yeah you know? it's like it's like church for people who are like you know either directly or indirectly dealing with the with the abuses of the church that you yeah. like you need some sort of spiritual community thing but you can't get it from an institution that yeah that these guys have shown they're not really up to it kind of yeah <laughs> yeah so and but like but like Damon Dempsey's like a committed anti-racist and and he's also a really like proud like he'd be he seems like he's probably more into like Celtic mysticism and stuff than I am but he but he's like like he's someone to me who understands he's not in the film and and we're sort of we're looking at sort of like the, the generation below him yeah really like people who are be a bit younger and, and doing sort of different types of folk music but but I think, that, like, all of these sort of groups understand, I think, something about, the, like, embra- if you're look- embracing sort of Irish history and, and Irish folk music and stuff, you can't be racist and exclusionary. Like, it, 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 just, it, just, it just clashes so much with, with what this music... Like, the music somehow survived through hundreds of years of, of you know, like, active attempts to, to kill all that, yeah. that, that, that culture and, and language and things like that, and... Like it's a it's a celebration of like being human and 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 surviving and and then there's so many amazing parallels with other folk music around the world mm. and Andy Irvine was here last year uh, mm. playing with Quilty which is a, like a Swedish slash you know mostly Swedish lads one of them I think was born in Germany and they only play Irish music mm. but of course Andy has been all over the Balkans and all over the world collecting instruments and songs and tunes and really studying the relationships between you know Arabic music and Irish traditional yeah. music and this kind of thing so and even there like we might think of these things as being very Irish or purely Irish mm. they're no they're all mixes yeah yeah that's the thing yeah 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 exactly like um because that everything always is a mix of of cultures and things like that like and so so yeah so uh, like i find that interesting like i suppose the type of irish person i feel like i like i you know you draw from the progress i draw from the progressive histories like mm. i don't like i like james like the writings that james connolly produced in in that in the revolutionary period mm. i find interesting and helpful and then the fact that like i don't know luke kelly was a was a socialist and a member of the communist party i find that someone who like has that depth of feeling through his voice and then is also is also able to is is sort of looking for like i don't know a way to try to help like the, the way he saw it of course you know things went badly for communism uh and it and it and it didn't well, wasn't uh, exactly very well executed <laughs> no corner, no yeah. no but like yeah but like uh but i do i believe that like luke kelly was believing that ideology because he thought it would help the most people you know and things yeah. like that and and i think that that's the sort of irishness that i find interesting and helpful and can can definitely be proud of and like an anti-imperial 
liber like liberation struggle is something i think that's there's there's a real beauty to that and there's a real like power in that and mm. and then sort of on an everyday stuff like because i never really felt particularly irish or whatever like um i think you know i, I grew up in dublin in the like 90s 2000s it felt like it was sort of I was that end of history area, not that I knew that at the time, you know, yeah. it was this idea, it was just, it was just like, like, everywhere is global the same capitalism. Now, yeah, 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 and, but I think, like, what I've sort of, I think I want to, you, you, you draw certain things, like, uh, from these identities, and I love, I really appreciate the sort of, the, the social side of Irish life, and, mm. and the, like, that, like, small interactions, you know, when I'm swimming in Dublin, whenever I'm back, it's like, someone is gonna try to make you someone's gonna try to make you laugh when you're standing there or like there's yeah. some idea that we're like we'll laugh together mm. that things like that are really beautiful and I, i've sort of my friends my swedish friends like i think appreciate that about me that like there's a twinkle in my eye mm. or whatever and stuff and, and of course not everyone in ireland is always laughing or whatever but there's these sort of customs that that you 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 maybe what it takes to be away from the place to to appreciate and understand mm. and and we should fight for those things. Like, you know, again, if like if if the ideas of these far right activists sort of like take hold, like we're just going to be miserable. Like they mm. like they don't offer anything. There's no these people are miserable and, and mm. they're not offering they're not offering any real sense of mm. an Irishness based in Ireland, I think, or based in Irish history and stuff like that. So. You said something interesting there earlier on about them, you know, not necessarily being filled with hate. Right. But they are filled with anger. And mm. that's just as flammable as hatred can be, right? Mm. I'm forever asking myself if I can feel any sort of empathy towards the kind of people who burned Simon's belongings, right? Mm. One of the most vulnerable people in Ireland, but had a roof over his head. I fucking struggle, right? I, it's really, really hard. And yet, if I can't, I'm as bad as they mm. are, right? And the, the real struggle for me is to find a sense of solidarity with them because I think that that anger comes from the same place you know like it's okay they don't have you know the life that they expected to have or the life that they were maybe promised and then they see themselves as competing you know that famous cartoon with Rupert Murdoch in the middle and oh that foreigner wants your cookie I think everybody's seen it at that point do you see solidarity as being you know sort of was a dirty word for a while there is that where the solution to this is you know when you look back over the work that you've done because it seems to be that's what it says to me that this sense of solidarity is really the only thing that we have yeah for sure like um yeah i mean i think solidarity and just like even the boring things of like organizing and being in groups together and just sort of having a sort of similar you know so like something like katu this the community action tenants union mm -hmm. in in ireland are really really good because like it's a very again it's a you know it's so hard for renters in in ireland uh at the moment that it comes down to really just basic things that you need to organize around so like mm. katu are really good at when there's illegal and there's illegal evictions like every week in you know in dublin i was active in in the dublin one a little bit and you're in these whatsapp groups and it's like legal eviction on i don't know sandwich street or whatever any it mm. could be anywhere like um and you, you might get 30 people down there who whoever's around to literally just have bodies standing there between the bailiffs and the, the door. yeah yeah and it's yeah. like that's that's what we're back to it's like and but but in those groups it's amazing you might, you'll have like you know i don't know romanian migrant workers you'll have like inner city dubs who've been in the area their whole life whose granny used to live in in that flat and and was evicted by the council before and now yeah. someone else and it's like and you go you get people across all classes and things like that university students workers like so that sort of thing where, and I think it's that thing when you actually don't even need to make sort of like migration or migrant solidarity the thing. It's just like, we're actually all in the same boat. Here. You know, yeah. like, I mean, it can be harder when you come, when you say, if you come to Dublin, I know so many like Brazilians, for example, or Latin Americans who are living six to a room mm. and maybe, maybe because if you don't have, I don't know, family you can stay with or whatever. So mm. that might be in slightly more difficult positions, but, but broadly, so many people are struggling. I just, I can speak about Dublin, like, across yeah. all for, from anywhere and things like that so i think a lot like a lot of the solutions are in th those i think sort of like groupings that offer something positive yeah. you know and so that yeah that can be based in solidarity and it can be based in the basics of a, a group that that is trying to get a roof over a secure roof over more people's heads yeah. than a group that is claiming they want to house irish people first but have never been at one like none of these people i did speak to some people who were sort of mixed up with the far right like 
they didn't know what Katu was. They didn't know what mm-hmm. Revolutionary Housing League was. Because like, the Revolutionary Housing League before, like a couple of years ago, took over a huge building uh, down by the by the by the what's the criminal criminal court. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember. Some it's it's something like James Connolly House, but it's it was one of the Revolutionary Leaders' house, yeah. uh, and they were ho- they were they were housing all homeless people there. Having there was loads of gigs, loads of the bands from yeah. Celtic Utopia were playing gigs there. Again, like. I think These, Glenn, Glenn Hansard turned up there at some point. That was, yeah. that was, um, that was the oh, one on, on Poolbeg Street, Street yeah. a good few years ago. Yeah, yeah but, but that sort of stuff. Like, so those positive things, and that was, that was, that was supported so yeah. well. Like, those things that offer a, a positive, constructive mm. idea, I do think those chime so much more with Irish people or with people in Ireland than the, the, the ideas that, say you know like all a lot of these a lot of these communities it's like x community says no mm. like you're not like what <laughs> like that's such a grim <laughs> we fuck, say no who like the fuck we, elected you to yeah yeah it's together, like we know? say no to this we say no to that it's like well I, the groups that i've been involved in like that I feel lucky to be involved in they're, they're saying like homes for all yeah. you know and i think just those ideas like they're, they're fundamentally it's like fundamentally a simple idea. it's like a positive constructive mm. urge against an exclusionary negative destructive mm. urge and i i do like i i do think people are more drawn to positive constructive yeah. ideas well, i think we've seen some very positive and constructive ideas in your films uh, where can people see your work is it being exhibited anywhere is it you know will you find it at your local cineplex now uh, yeah right? <laughs> <laughs> Hope, i'd say i'd say celtic utopia might be in the cineplexes because it's a lot of it's like a it's an easier sell, like Irish folk music. Young people doing Irish folk music. I just had migration. this vision, right? When you're up for your Oscar next year, I get to reuse this podcast. Ah, <laughs> oh, fucking excellent! Sell it to the highest bidder. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, so I must away, and the build. Well, sorry, the building and burning of a refugee camp is showing at Dublin International Film Festival on uh, next Tuesday, on the twenty seventh of February. Okay, that's sold out though, unfortunately. But will you be there yourself, William? I actually won't be because I tried to. I was gonna go, but I I try to travel by land these yeah. days, <laughs> and it takes about tough, tough to get to Ireland. Takes, it takes about three days. Yeah, yeah, so I'm doing that. I'm doing that for the screening in March. Yeah. So at the at the Irish Film Institute in Dublin, the IFI, yeah. on the 20th of March, they're actually it's great. They're, they're, so they were going to be showing I Must Away, but they're actually showing they've added the building and burning of a refugee camp to that program. And there's loads of tickets a, a for Dennis that. Doubleheader. And then Dennis double header. Yeah, the popcorn out. <laughs> and so actually, it's interesting that you said you, you felt you, you showed them in the wrong order. I've actually requested that we 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 show I must away, and then show the building and burning of a refugee oh, camp. Oh, you miserable! Bastard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just feels <laughs> as does it feels with the election going. On, it's like it feels like we need to have a discussion about. Yeah, if you the want them, yeah, it's always like what do we want them to leave with? And yeah. if it's that, right? Okay, I understand. Yeah, you know, yeah. The idea, but still. Um, and then yeah, and but but. The, the like I must the both films are sort of showing at in different places so mm. if uh, I maybe there'll be a link to my social media account or something in this we will stick that in the show notes for anybody who wants to listen you found your way here to our humble abode in the centre of Stockholm Dennis don't be a stranger any movies you're making well Celtic Utopia is coming out when do you expect that to hit the screens do you think it should it should be next year I think. Grand, I'm delighted to hear it all together. As I say, anything you're working on, anything that you find, uh, drop back in again and tell us. But for now, Dennis, thanks so much for coming down. Thanks so much for having me, Phil. There you go. That was indeed the wonderful Dennis Harvey. And I could sit there all day and all night and talk to him about politics and movies and all sorts of things besides. Now, at the moment behind uh, the the scenes here, I am desperately trying to fish up a link that he sent me because uh, just before he left there, he was telling me that there is... um, Two different showings of the building and burning of a refugee camp. It's going to be part of the Tempo Documental Festival. And it's going to be in uh, the Zeta Cinema here. That's the Zeta Cinema in Stockholm on March 8th and March 10th, right? The Tempo Festival. And uh, I will include the link to where you can get tickets for that in the show notes. Uh, This particular film is quite short. It's only about 20, 25 minutes long. And it's definitely worth getting along to. Uh, As I say, an amazing piece of work altogether. It's quite chilling. I found it a little bit depressing and a little bit dark and that kind of thing but uh, as we were saying there in our conversation that um 
you know, we kind of have to try to find the glimmers of hope in this and try to find the things that we can rally around uh, together to build a better community and a better society. And sure, isn't that what we're doing every week on the Irish in Sweden podcast? That is it for this week, my friends. Patreon.com forward slash man in Stockholm. And please, if you enjoyed this conversation, share it. Let people know what I'm up to. And maybe they might become subscribers. Maybe you, this might be the week where you become a subscriber because you enjoyed the crack with Dennis so much there. Uh, I will be back again next week, hopefully at Bang On seven o'clock in the morning because Kevin Carroll is going to lose his temper one of these days ago. come on crowd you know I used to be able to rely on you Phil but uh, you know as I say hopefully I'll be over this illness that I've had for the last while that has slowed me down and normal service will be resumed next week until then my friends take care of yourselves take care of one another and I'll be back again in your headphones very soon indeed good luck <laughs>